troubleshooting. Have you ever had to troubleshoot? A systematic analysis of the problem. You know, you see what needs to be working. You make sure that it's, it's working. See what doesn't need to be doing things and make sure they're not doing them. And, you know, human beings are complicated machines, aren't we? Sometimes we need some troubleshooting in our lives. And just when you think everything's going clickety-clicking along well, something can happen where you have to make sure you go to that list, <laughs> that checklist to make sure, hey, wait a minute, is everything here according to God's plan? As we talk about today's topic, ten panels. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you to troubleshoot our lives. Help us to be functioning well so that we can be serving other people. Lord, thank you for your mercy, for your grace. We ask for your Holy Spirit as we look into your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. On a lawnmower, it's very simple. If you know how it works, when you pull the string or when you turn the engine, it generates a spark, right? So there are these plates that when they pass the outside frame on that wheel that turns, it generates a spark. And that spark needs to be transmitted eventually to the carburetor, right? And the mixture there of what two things creates fire. There's air, right? And fuel, gas, as, with that spark. So, pretty simple, right? You know, you want to make sure the air intake is okay, there's enough gas. If there's not enough gas, then you pour some directly into the carburetor or spray it in there. Uh, just to make sure, you know, that that part's working. Make sure you have your electricity. You got that spark. That's pretty much all it is. You know, but you gotta make sure that all those things are there. Now, human beings are, <laughs> more complex. Right? We require a lot more. I mean, just our bodies with, you know, trillions of cells. And if you look at each cell, it, uh, <laughs> it's like a little, Micro, micro city, right? All these things are happening. And the human body and, of course, the human soul, which is a combination of the body and the mind, that's what a soul is, according to Genesis chapter 2, it's, it takes some maintenance, right? Some upkeep. Sometimes we have, you know, down days, dark days. You know, we're, we're pulling the cord and <laughs> it's just not coming to life. <laughs> You know, we know what we should be doing. We know how we should be doing it. Intellectually, we think we know how we, sh you know, how life should be. And, but it's just not happening. We're not cutting the grass. You know, things aren't going well. And God has given us a troubleshooting manual. Of course, that's His word. But ultimately, it's summed up in 10 very important things that God gave to His people to guide their lives. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. We've seen this text. We're going to review it. And then we're going to go to Isaiah 58. So Matthew 19, verse 16. Behold, one came to Jesus and said to him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest 
thou me good. There is none good but one that is God. So he may have thought, the, the young man may have thought that he was addressing Jesus appropriately by saying, good master, master means teacher, rabbi, good master. But Jesus was the Christ. He was God in the flesh. And so Jesus said, why do you call me good then? There is none good but one that is God. But, he said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. He did a little troubleshooting with the rich young ruler. Amen? And so he's, the, the rich man said, which one? Which ones? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, later on, in just a few more chapters, Jesus is quoting other of the commandments, but this is from which body of the law? These are from the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten that God gave from Sinai, and He spoke... And then he wrote with his finger. And so he tells this man, he says, look, these are the way to life. These are the way to life. Now you might be saying, wait, I thought that we weren't saved by our works. That's correct. Our works don't save us, but those who are saved do the works of God. And so in saving us, Jesus delivers us from our sin and enables us to keep these commandments, which will actually troubleshoot our lives for eternity. So that's what Jesus said. And then the young man, verse 20, saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So, this young man had made a God out of his money. And Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, then sell all that, give me your whole heart, and follow me. That is a divine prescription for eternal life. If we want to be running through eternity, if we want to be on God's side, we need to pay attention to God's Ten Commandments. Amen? Did Jesus say that? Or did I say that? Don't leave here saying the preacher said anything. Amen? What really matters is if it's in the Word of God. That's what matters. Quote the Word. There's ten of them. Let's go to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. And we'll start with verse 12. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the what? The breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. So there is a breach in the wall of the Ten Commandments. There is a hole in the wall. 
And that needs to be fixed in the last days. Now, notice it says, verse 13, what this breach is. It says, if you turn away your foot from the what? From the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now imagine if I have a fence made of ten panels, okay, and I have some goats that I want to keep safe. By the way, you know that goats, they say, as my brother Jason has notified me of quite a few times, that if you throw water at a fence and it goes through, the goat's getting through too. So goats like to get out, right? So just imagine that I have a fence that's made of 10 panels. And my wife asks me after I bring home the goats, wanting to keep them in and keep the coyotes out, did you finish the fence? And I say, no problem, 9 out of 10 panels are up. Is that a fence? I mean, even if it's (laughs) 9.75, the goats are getting out, right? And other things are getting in. It needs to be a full 10 in order for it to be a wall, right? Otherwise, by definition, it's not a wall. It's a gate. And we don't want to have a gate to let evil into our lives, to damage our families, to destroy our children. And so God has given us these protective panels on this wall that unfortunately there has been made a breach in by the man of sin. In Daniel chapter 7 verse 25, it says that the Antichrist would change times and laws. And so although the Bible is very specific about what day is the Lord's day, Let me take you to an interesting text that many people start to read things into. It's in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. John the Apostle says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write In a book. Now, what John saw in this vision, he wrote in the Revelation. Amen? Question. Did John see in verse 10 that the Lord's day was Sunday? It doesn't say that, does it? All it says is, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, I'm going to tell you an interesting word that you may have heard before. And don't get too caught up with it. It's it's Greek. It's a Greek word, but it, it helps illustrate a point. And the word is eisegesis, and I'm going to compare it to exegesis. Exegesis, ek, means out of. Exegesis means you're reading what is actually in the text and you're, you're, you're getting it from the text, out. Eisegesis means you put what you want to be in the Bible. 
Okay, so we want to read with exegesis whatever's in the text, not just adding stuff to it, right? Because the Bible says, let's go to the last part of the Revelation. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. It says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So the Bible, all throughout the Bible, the warning has been given, don't add to, don't take away from what I've said. Okay, so this text, Revelation 1.10, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, what day was that? Back to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 tells us what day the... what. What day the Lord's day is? Isaiah 58, verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. Okay, so what day is the Lord's day according to Scripture? It's the Sabbath. Now you might think, well, that doesn't matter. And I might think nine panels out of ten is good enough. But really, did God mean what he said? Let's go to James. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, verse 12 says, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And so James lets us know that it's a whole law. It's like a fence. If there's a breach in it, it's not a fence. It's a gate, right? And we've been told that at the end of time, this will be very, very important because there's a breach. There's a hole there. Now, why is the Sabbath such an important part of God's law? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 20 and we'll find out. Ezekiel chapter 20. And verse 20 says, And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Now, the Scripture also says that I am the Lord your God, which sanctifies you. That you may know that I am the Lord your God. Now, how do we know that God is the God above all other gods on the planet? How do we know that? Let's go to Psalms 96. Psalms 96. Ninety-five, I'm sorry. Ninety-five, verse six. Psalms 95, verse six. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. What's the reason why we bow down and worship the Lord? What's the reason? Because He is our Maker. So verse 3 says, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. That is what sets Him apart. Verse 4, In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is his, and he what? 
made it and his hands formed the dry land. And so that is how we know that God is God. Now, some people say, well, I believe that everything just evolved. Well, I can tell you this much. You didn't see it evolve. And you're going to have to take a guess that it did. Obviously, we have micro adaptation in the world. But that no new information is ever added to the genome. It's always taken away. And there's mutations and it's changed and adapted. But there's no evidence of anything spontaneously coming into existence whatsoever. And so either, either framework takes faith. Either you believe in God's word, you believe that the prophecies point out a God who created everything and gave the mother its, her love for her children and, and created love in the human heart where we can actually not just eat each other, and have survival of the fittest, but actually take care of the young, like we're seeing being taken care of today. Or you can have faith that we're all just a product of chance, and somehow this just happened, and it's just survival of the fittest, and the strongest get rich, and that's just how it is. So we can we can choose, but the scriptures say that this is what sets God apart: is that He is the Creator. Well, what if someone says this is the Old Testament? Well, does the fact that something happened long ago change the fact that it happened? I mean, God created, right? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. A common objection that people will make when you talk about the Sabbath is that they say that it was for Jews. Genesis chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens... And the earth, verse 1, were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Let me ask you, is God a Jew? He's God. He's not a Jew. A Jew, where do we get the word Jew? From the word Judah. It means praise, praising God. Okay, And they were a Semitic people from the Middle East. They were, they were, uh, they didn't come on the scene until the time of Abraham, until we're talking, you know, two to three thousand years later, uh, the, the nation of Israel became, you know, after three thousand years, you know, creation. So, no, God is not a Jew, and here he's doing what? He's resting, right? He created and he rested. And then verse three, it says, and God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. Was this at Sinai or was this 3,000 years before Sinai? It was long before Sinai, right? He blessed it and he sanctified it. What, is it word to, what, is it, what does this word mean, sanctified? It means to be made holy. Set apart for a holy use. Something special. He sanctified it. He made it holy because that in it he had done what? Rested from all his work which God created and made. Now, we're disciples of Jesus. Who is the creator? The Bible says that Jesus was the agent of creation. Isn't that what the scriptures say? In Hebrews chapter 1 and in Colossians and it says in John chapter 1, it says that through Jesus all things were created. And so who was resting here? It was Jesus. It was God. If you want to see those texts, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2.
Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. And it says, He has in these last days spoken unto us, us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, by whom also He what? Made the worlds. Made the world. So His Son made the worlds. Amen? Or made the universe. So that's Hebrews 1, 2. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, 16. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, after Acts and Romans, first, second Corinthians. So Colossians chapter one, sixteen and seventeen. It says, For by him, Christ, were all things what? Created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So Christ was the Creator. Amen? Christ created in six days, and He rested the seventh day. Not only did He rest the seventh day, but He did what? He blessed that day, and He sanctified it. He made it holy. See, it's very important that we are holy to meet the Lord. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll see this. Hebrews chapter 12. If we want to be saved in God's kingdom, we must be holy as God is holy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, follow peace with all men and what? And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. See, the fact of the matter is, is that our motors sometimes misfire. We sometimes are thrown out thick smoke and annoying people around us. We're not getting the job done. We're not taking care of our families like we should be. We're not gentle enough. We're not kind enough. We may say some things that irritate other people, and we need some troubleshooting. We need to make sure that we have the proper combination of God's prescription for a holy life. We can't blame things on God unless we are walking in the path that God has told us to walk. And if we walk in that way, the Bible says, Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments in Isaiah 48. Then would thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. We will find perfect peace in following Jesus with all our hearts. Brothers and sisters, everything that I've told you is in God's Word. Everything I've said can be looked at again later. Nothing here is what I've made up. God's Ten Commandment law is still His law today. And He wants to write it upon our hearts. What is the new covenant? Some people say well, the new covenant is that we can be lawless. We don't have to keep any law. Well, I kind of like the law that says don't murder. I feel a lot safer with that law. What do you, how about you? It's kind of a good law, right? You know, I like the law that says don't steal because we have a measure of, you know, safety in the world because of governments that enforce that don't steal law. I kind of like that, right? I've got, you know, a home and things in it and I don't want people stealing my kids, etc. And, so what is the new covenant? Some people say the new covenant is being lawless. But what is the new covenant? Where can we find the new covenant in the Scriptures? Does anyone know? Hebrews chapter 8 is one place. There are many places, but Hebrews chapter 8. There's one in Jeremiah. There's Hebrews chapter 10, I believe. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. 
And God's word says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Now this sounds like God cares about us keeping his law, right? Because he says, I will write it in your heart. God will write it. He will give us power. That's the good news is we don't have to obey on our own if we're struggling with honesty. And it's just like, wow, it's just so easy to just tell a fib and just kind of exaggerate, gloss over, hide, protect ourselves. But you know what? That gets you into trouble, right? No man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. You're going, to get, you're going to get found out and then you're going to lose trust, right? People are not going to trust you anymore. If you have that sin, who can help you with that sin? Jesus can, right? You tell them about it. Let's say you have a problem with hating people. You're jealous. You know, the Bible says that if you hate someone, you're guilty of murdering them. So who can you go to for help? You can go to Jesus, right? You can ask Him to help you. And that is the new covenant. Now, brothers and sisters, there is no happiness outside of God's law. No true happiness. Jesus didn't live outside of God's law. Jesus was perfectly obedient, wasn't he? And I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be his disciple. By beholding, I want to become changed. And so we see here the new covenant is God. Instead of taking away the law, He is writing it on our hearts. But pastor, I know that there are texts in the Bible that say the law is done away with. A certain portion of the the Old Testament Scripture were the ceremonial laws that had to do with the sacrifices. And they were predictions of the Messiah to come. For example, Passover. You won't find Passover celebrated in this church. Passover is a ceremonial feast day. And we don't celebrate that. Why? Because Jesus the Lamb has died. And by the way, do you know what day Jesus died on? He died on Passover. He is the Passover Lamb. Jesus died on the literal Passover. How about Pentecost? Have you ever heard of Pentecost? Pentecost. What does Pentecost mean? It's the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples, right? And Pentecost means 50. Penta is the you know word for five. In, in Greek or Latin. And so the, the Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. And so Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, and then he went to heaven, and then 10 days they spent praying, and 40 plus 10 is what? 50. And then when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered together, and the Holy Spirit came down. So the Old Testament feast days were the shadows. Let's, let's see that in Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, so that Hebrews chapter 8 says he's going to write his laws in our minds and our hearts. But then in chapter 10, it says this. Verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those what? sacrifices, which they offered year by year. Now, you tell me, which of the Ten Commandments, if any, have to do with sacrifices? Anybody? Any, any, any one of the commandments? None of the commandments have to do with sacrifice. There is clearly a ceremonial law 
which is a shadow of things to come. And in the Lamb of Passover, we see who? We see Christ, right? In His blood, we see His sacrifice. And there is a shadow here. There's a shadow. Verse 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats shall take away sins. The Ten Commandments have nothing to do with blood of bulls and goats. It simply is the moral law. And this is not something that should be new to us. I mean, all of us, I've seen this sign on a church. It said on one side, it said, if you think freedom in America is good, you should try freedom in Christ. Okay? And what some people say is they say, well, freedom in Christ means we don't have to keep the law. But on the other side of the sign, and I've got a picture of it. You want to, you want to hear what it said on the other side? So on one side, it said, freedom in, in America is great, but you should try freedom in Christ. On the other side, it says, America is going to be judged for the death of 60 million innocent children. That's what it said. You know, speaking of those children that were aborted. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. So if people say that freedom in Christ means there's no law, and we don't have to keep the law anymore somehow, then why would you be worried about murder? (laughs) Right? doesn't make any sense. Like you have to have some sort of a baseline, some sort of a standard, if you're going to accuse and say, okay, there's going to be a judgment for this, you have to have a baseline. And what's the baseline? It's the Ten Commandments. So let's go to our our last text here. uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to go to two texts, actually, if that's okay. Deuteronomy 31. Verse 24, and it says, And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses, verse 25, commanded the Levites which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So there's the Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? It was the Ten Commandments, right? So he commands them. He says, take this book, verse 26, and put it where? in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against you. So there's the ark with the Ten Commandments. The ark has the Ten Commandments inside. And he says to the Levites, okay, I'm going to write this, these writings, talks about all the sacrifices and all the ceremonies and all the shadows in a book. The Ten Commandments were written on stone by the finger of God. Moses wrote these in a book. Is that clear? And then he tells them, take this book and put it where? In the side of the ark. Not in the ark, in the side of the ark. Okay? That it may be there. So there's a difference between these two. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 31. It's very easy to remember because, if you'll forgive me for adding one text in here, uh, Exodus chapter 31. Because Deuteronomy 31 talks about Moses writing, and then Exodus 31 talks about God writing. And verse 16, it says, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Verse 17, It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai two tables of testimony tables of stone written with the finger of God. 
So we've been given a manual, a troubleshooting manual. Come unto me, Jesus said, and I will give you what? Rest. He wants to give us rest. And it's a paradox that through rest, we gain this amazing power, this amazing strength, that as we rest in God, that we are rejuvenated every single week. We have these challenges, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But Sabbath, God has set aside to heal our wounds, to pour oil over us, the Holy Spirit, in a very special way. As the custom of Jesus was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up for to read. Now, I know it's warm in here. We can pray for uh, air conditioning. Uh, We need to be fixing the air conditioning here. But you know what? Even when it's warm, we can pray for a blessing from the Holy Spirit. And the Lord will bless our hearts. It's a very, very special time that God has set apart. He's sanctified. And we're going to be looking at it more in the future. But uh, let's keep all ten panels up. Keep the coyotes out. Keep the wolves out so that we can have blessings from God on our families. Let's sing our closing song together.